0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, January 28th. We reported last year on a nursing shortage in the area. But there's another essential public employee in low supply. Teachers. Well, really all school employees. There's a shortage across Utah. Justin Higginbottom reports on Moab's unique challenges, which include, that's right, housing.
1: The new Margaret L. Hopkins Middle School is impressive. A massive multi-court gym, spacious classrooms, and space dedicated for science programs. But Principal Joseph Olson isn't concerned
2: about the facilities, he's worried about filling them. I would say that we absolutely do have a shortage of staff, including teachers, and for a wide variety of reasons. I know that many of the local businesses in the area also seem to be struggling to find employees. And it's really hard for us to be able to compete salary-wise in order to really be able to pay teachers as much as we would like to, to be able to attract different individuals, to be able to live in an area that is more expensive.
1: I'm speaking to Olson at his school as the last students file out for the day. This is his first year here, and the district was lucky to get him. It wasn't an easy move.
2: I am a person in a wheelchair part-time, so finding housing not only that was cost effective but also accessible without the stairs and the different aspects that I needed in a home was especially challenging i will say that the district was extremely welcoming and that they worked really hard to find the different pieces of the puzzle that would make it possible for my family to be able to move down
1: olson says his middle school has somehow managed to be almost fully staffed the entire year The elementary school and high school, which are larger, have had more issues. Grand County School District lists 21 open positions. One post reads, all schools are hiring substitutes, teachers, cooks, custodians. Although Olson's middle school is staffed now, that could change quickly if only a couple teachers
2: leave. We had a teacher transfer from the middle school over to the high school mid-year, and finding that replacement was very difficult. Once again, we got really, really lucky as the middle school where we did get a very quality and qualified candidate that came in to fill the spot. But I know that if I were to lose any of my teachers or even my paraprofessionals, it's very difficult to find a quality replacement in the area.
1: Another huge issue, like the job posting suggests, substitutes. Olson says there's a shortage of those, which during the pandemic are
2: especially needed. So, for example, this coming Friday, I have five teachers out of my staff of 12 that are going to be gone. And I think for the district right now currently hired, we have approximately four substitutes. We also approximately have 10 to 13 teachers out at the elementary school this week.
1: There's not enough substitutes
2: to go around.
1: The school will pull librarians or support staff to teach, or students will be spread out to other classrooms. He says that can impact learning. Sean Tygen is the research director at the Utah Foundation and has studied education in the state. He says teacher shortages aren't just a Moab problem.
3: We have had a shortage uh, for a long time. And basically what that does to us in terms of education is keeps us from maybe hiring the best of the best and instead settling for like your body, come on in, like let's <laughs> like teach a class for us.
1: He says as a state our teacher pay is pretty low.
3: When you look at teacher pay uh, generally across the United States at the national level, Utah is pretty far down uh, and even in the mountain states. So if you look at us compared to the the surrounding states and Montana, we're also at the bottom of the pack. But he notes
1: that when you control for experience, then we're closer to the middle compared to mountain states. Utah is fast growing with a high birth rate. So we have higher demand for teachers and hire new teachers more often. And pay in our county isn't so bad, relatively. Average pay for a teacher in Utah is around $50,000. Someone in Moab can make from around $40,000 to over $80,000, depending on their experience.
3: When you look at Grand County, y'all pay your teachers pretty well.
1: But it hasn't been enough to get people into education programs and the teacher pipeline. Hank Postma is a vocational education teacher at Grand County High School, and he gets why more aren't joining his profession.
3: It's a hard job. You know, I often describe it as the Battle of a Thousand Cuts. You have to make so many decisions each day and figure out so many things. It can be downright exhausting.
1: For many, the pay just isn't enough, he says, especially if you want to
3: live in Moab. 20, 30 years ago, you could be a teacher. You could own a home. You could afford to send your kids to college. Now it's just struggling. I haven't even bothered looking for a house because I know I can't afford it. Uh, One story I know of is we had one teacher who moved here from out of the area. And I talked to her during our first open day meetings like, did you find a place to live? Well, I have a hotel room in Green River. The hotel prices were crazy. She couldn't find a place. So she was renting a hotel room in Green River and driving down Highway 191 every day.
1: That was about five years ago. Postma says that teacher eventually left the school, which is another issue, high turnover. He says teachers always coming and going stresses out educators and hurts students learning.
3: It takes a while to learn how to be a teacher, how to work with kids, how to lesson plan. When you first start out, you're not that good. We hope you get better, but you're just not that good. Some years we've had a third of the staff leave this school. And when you have that many inexperienced green teachers trying to figure out how to be a teacher, the child education suffers.
1: Postma thinks there's an obvious solution, more pay. But the school district can only do so much without more funding from the state. And that wouldn't solve the housing shortage in the area. Other communities in the state have started adopting programs that help with that issue. After all, the housing market is pretty wild outside of Moab too. For example, Ogden is subsidizing housing for teachers and other public employees, and South Jordan partnered in a workforce housing development for city workers. Postma has a message for parents, especially during a pandemic where no matter what policy teachers follow, someone's not going to be happy.
3: Your child's teacher is doing their best. They've been put in a horrible situation and they're just doing what they can to try to make sure your child has a good environment where they can learn. And what we now all need to do is just give each other grace.
1: And here's Olsen at the middle school again with his own message.
2: We have a lot of really just quality teachers that come to work and face challenges that I don't think are always recognized by the general community. So whatever we can do to have a community that works together, supporting students, teachers, parents, families, because in order for a school to work well, it needs to involve the community and not just be separated. And here's the school, here's the community. We have to really come together and just really support each other.
1: Utah is increasing education spending this year by at least $248 million. That's thanks in part to a bill that ties funding to enrollment and inflation. Both have been increasing. So we have more money. Now we just need more teachers. Justin Higginbottom, BurkasiumU News.
0: What will Moab's water situation be like in 20 years? What about 50 or 100? Well, the Moab City Council just signed off on an agreement to start planning. They want to ensure water for the valley over the next century. Moab City has entered into a memorandum of understanding with two other public water providers. That's Grand Water and Sewer Service Agency and the San Juan Spanish Valley Special Service District. They're forming a coalition, and they want a resource management plan. Moab City Engineer Chuck Williams in a city council meeting this week.
1: This will be the first comprehensive evaluation of surface and groundwater resources in the valley. There's been science done, but there's been no planning. It's not a research project. We don't think that we need to bring in a lot more science for this. There's enough information out there.
0: There is a lot of science on local water resources. Several studies have been completed over the last five years. And right now, the state's Division of Water Rights says the valley has not exceeded safe yield. That's where an aquifer is being consumed more than it's being recharged. But city staff acknowledge the community is experiencing sustained population growth and increasing tourism. That's leading to increasing water demand. They say the valley could be approaching the limits of existing water resources. So they need to plan. They want to identify shared water policies and projects.
1: It's a small valley. Our aquifers are shared. We think it's an opportunity to get beyond these political differences and really look at the resource as as the shared resource.
4: The impetus behind this effort has been the real acknowledgement, I think, amongst everyone in the community that the water
0: situation is a serious one here in the Moab Valley. Acting City Manager Carly Castle. She says the situation requires closer coordination with other public water systems sharing the resources we all depend on. And what we want to do is to take steps
4: to integrate our land use and our water resource management.
0: A water utility resource management plan is estimated to cost over $200,000. Moab City will be splitting that cost with the other water providers based on average water use in the valley. A scope of work will likely include data collection on population and tourism, a review of water rights, identification of conservation goals, and public engagement. However, the scope of work for the plan has not yet been finalized. This week, the city council simply agreed to share costs with the other water providers. Read the MOU and find other documents related to a future water utility resource management plan in the show notes of today's news on our website and podcast. And now, the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. Community members are raising objection to a proposal for primitive tent camping on private lands in San Juan County. The area in question is situated in Upper Mill Creek. The Times' independence, Sophia Fisher, explains. So this is Upper Mill Creek.
5: It is quite far. It is up the right fork, but it's not really what we would call right hand. It's actually, you can access it. It's in San Juan County, and you access it by driving past Ken's Lake, going over what I believe is called Flat Pass, and then driving a few miles upstream from there, actually. So if anyone knows where Intrajo Canyon is or the beginning of Steel Bender, it's a few miles upstream of that.
0: Okay, great. Thank you for putting us in that physical space um, (laughs) before we talk about it. So what is this proposal? There's going to be camping up there. And this is not a Grand County project. Can you go into that?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So this actually um, came to light during a San Juan County Planning Commission meeting just about two, three weeks ago at this point. Um, And the proposal is for camping on a private parcel of land. Almost all the land back there is BLM, but there are some private parcels. Um, And this is a 240-acre plot of land, and the landowner wants to have people camp there. I think there's been some confusion people got um, very concerned when they thought there was going to be a 100 person campground is Mm. what seemed to be conveyed in the proposal which is really concerning for a lot of people it's a Mm. riparian corridor there's some dense um, undergrowth there definitely Mm -hmm. the potential for fires or flooding if there were a fire perhaps upstream and people are very worried about that as well as water contamination because Mill Creek runs right into town and is a really popular recreation area it's used for irrigation purposes all of that um, but I, I actually spoke with the landowner and he wanted to clarify that he's not trying to create a campground. There are some pre-flattened spaces on his private land that were flattened by a previous landowner for a house that was just never put in. Mm-hmm. And he wants to have groups of students from this private college based in Wyoming camp there essentially do primitive tent camping the way he said anyone would do it while camping on public lands.
0: So this is um, still in the proposal stages. Tell us about that. Like, is it before the planning commission in San Juan County that county commission? Where is it in the process right now?
5: Yeah, it's the planning commission. Um, the proposals for a conditional use permit, which is basically if you want to do something on the land that's like not typically done on that type of zoning. Mm-hmm. It's agriculturally zoned. So during the meeting a few weeks ago, they decided to table the proposal because mm-hmm. they did want some more information from the landowner. They wanted more specificity around how many students from this college would be coming, when they would be coming. They wanted him to talk with the person in San Juan County who's in charge of fires and roads. Since Mm -hmm. the road to get to this parcel crosses Mill Creek a few times and it's very rutted. It actually is getting gouged out by the creek in some places. Mm -hmm. So there's concern around emergency access there. Mm -hmm. So he's going to come back with that information and then they could rehear his proposal as early as this upcoming month, February.
0: Now, you touched on this a little bit, but there has been some local reaction to this mm, <laughs> proposal. Did what did you focus on there in this piece?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, it, the Planning Commission, first of all, mentioned that they'd received, they said, dozens and dozens of emails and phone calls about this. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that was based on a very short proposal that this landowner had written. So okay. there may have been some um, misunderstanding of what was going on there. Uh, but in addition, John Weissheit, who's the director of the local nonprofit Living Rivers, which focuses on uh, watershed conservation. Mm -hmm. in my understanding he wrote a letter asking not necessarily entirely in opposition but asking the planning commission to gain a lot more information Mm. before Mm -hmm. making a determination about whether there was concern over water contamination as Mill Creek also runs into um, the Glen Canyon aquifer Mm -hmm. which Moab and a few other communities rely on he called it a sole source aquifer so there's definitely concern over contamination of the aquifer people have been posting about it and writing letters to the editor and sure yeah
0: I I know the Green County Commission also wrote a letter. Can you talk about that a little bit?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That was during their last meeting. Yeah, they did approve a letter to the San Juan Planning Commission. um, Also, I think asking to delay the consideration until more information had been gathered, if I remember correctly. So local government has been getting involved. Um, And in all of these letters, they do refer to a 100 person campground. So again, if you know, in truth, this landowner really doesn't want to build additional mm-hmm. facilities. And in truth, if he does want it to be limited to, you know, three groups of 15 at a time seemed to be his idea to me. Mm. If that's all true, then it... um There may have been some misunderstanding of what was in that initial proposal.
0: Okay, so there are more details in this week's edition of the Times Independent. Any more, anything else to mention about this piece?
5: You know, I I think it's just it really is reflective of the concern over recreation around here. The the landowner commented to me a few times. He was really, really surprised that there had been this community blowback and he Mm -hmm. said that this proposal would actually help ease um, the overcrowding of existing campgrounds. He said, you know, normally these students who have been coming to MUB for a long time would go Mm -hmm. to Big Bend or or try to camp along down Potash. And Mm -hmm. he said so that would actually ease congestion in those areas but at the same time residents are so concerned because there's so much recreation and, and so much camping around here already and right. you know so, so many impacts on public lands you know Willow Springs was brought up a few times as like an example of what he doesn't want this place to be so I, I think it really does mm-hmm. you know just demonstrate that it, it hits a nerve in a way for the community in a way that didn't expect it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Moving on. Let's talk about, um, this is really fun to see on the front page of the paper. Um, meatloaf, you know, meatloaf, of course he passed away recently. Mm um the famous singer and entertainer and there is a local connection yeah. here in Moab can you tell us about this piece yeah
5: absolutely this is a very fun one uh for me to write and for us to put on the front page we're all very excited about it in the office um so khaki hunter who is you know a, a Moab local she's lived here for decades she's a former actress and you know she's been involved with other community initiatives um she actually co-starred with Meatloaf in the film Roadie, which came out in, I believe, 1980. So they were friends and colleagues, so I I got to speak with her and ask her a couple questions about him this week, which is pretty exciting. That's
0: very neat. So tell us, you know, anything you want to highlight from that conversation. (laughs) What did she say about this character? Yeah, it's
5: really interesting. I mean, he has such a big, you know, personality and stage presence, and um, she said he was really kind and was a really good co-actor. She said they got along really well and got close Mm -hmm. on set apparently he was very supportive, you know, of her and also said that she helped improve his acting. So overall, very positive response. He seemed like a, you know, really kind and interesting colleague to have.
0: (laughs) Very cool. And there's a neat picture of local khaki hunter on the set of roadie in the paper, too. Mm -hmm. Very fun, Sophia. And finally, you know, we talked with Doug last week about the Moab City Police Department, and one of the recent articles that the Times Independent wrote about the PD, and there is yet more news um coming out of the department can you fill us in on that Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the chief of police for the
5: Moab Police Department, Brett Edge, has been on paid leave under the Family and Medical Leave Act for about four months. He came back this week and the city kind of immediately announced that he would be coming back in a transitional role. So they would Mm -hmm. be seeking new leadership for Mm -hmm. the police department. Um, um, As everybody in, in town very well knows, you know, the Brett Edge could be called an embattled police chief at this point. There are a lot of investigations undergoing You know, there was one into the Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie case. There's the Jane May case. Mm. There's been recent controversy over the fact that he, you know, has been making additional income in in his photography work while Mm. on paid leave. Um, So, you know, this is just one ongoing step in a long saga, I think, of Mm -hmm. some police controversy. And we actually ran a help wanted ad for a new police chief as a public notice in the paper this week. So that, yeah, that position's already up and out there.
4: Well,
0: that was my next question. You know, the city sent out a very brief press release about um, Mm -hmm. Brett Edge returning as Moab's police chief in, like you said, a transitional role. Um, But they didn't have a clear timeline on, you know, the hiring process. So you're saying the city put out a help wanted notice this week mm-hmm. just to fill the position of police chief it's already out there so do we know anything um, else about the timeline or what the city's plans are at this point it seems like there was just a very short statement released um, and right now there hasn't been more information released on it to my knowledge sophia fisher staff writer at the times independent subscription info and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com the Moab Arts and Rec Center's Winter Class Series is back. As Moab Sun News reporter Allison Harford explains, it's a chance to perfect skills and learn new ones.
4: So the MARC is rolling out their Winter Class Series. Um, all of these classes are run by local artists. It started this week, and the classes will go until early March. So it's pretty exciting. There are a lot of new things to learn or, you know, you can take a class and perfect your skills. Mm. And there's really something for everyone. The class topics include landscape painting, paper making, um, vat dyeing, resin art. woodcut printmaking, embroidery, bookbinding, like so many things. These are local artists, for the most part, who are teaching these skills. Yes, so it's a lot of Moab locals who are teaching these things, and the classes are pretty affordable, and the mark is offering scholarships that can cover 20, 50, or 80% of the class cost based on financial need. So they're really meant to be affordable and for the community. And the classes are limited to 10 people, and face masks are required for COVID protocols, Um, But yeah, it seems like they'll be really fun and they're super interesting. So there's a variety
0: of classes that are going on at the Mark's uh, Winter Series. Um, You said
4: resin too? Yeah, resin art and resin jewelry. Um, There's also basket weaving and tea blending. I talked to Riley Lubick, who is a local artist, and she's teaching the landscape painting classes. Um, Her art style is big brushstrokes of landscape painting. And she said that what she really likes about landscape painting is that you can paint something from a picture or from real life, but it doesn't have to look exactly like the real thing. Mm. Um, And so there's a lot of room there for experimenting and for finding your own style. And she'll be going over, like, the basics of painting and landscape tips. So it's really meant to be, like, a basic class where people can practice while also being able to talk to Riley. And ask her questions. Oh neat,
0: okay. Um, this is such a cool offering for our community Yeah. during like a slow time in Moab mm. when you want to pick up a new skill or like you
4: said like perfect a hobby yeah. and you said it started this week. The full schedule of classes and all registration information can be found on the Mark's website. And there
0: are more events that the Moab Sun News profile this week. Yeah um, I
4: think one of the best parts about winter in Moab is these community events and sci-fi movie nights is returning. This is kind of a fairly new annual event that was started in 2020 um, by Richard Codd and Nora Shepard. And so the, the couple is really passionate about science fiction movies, particularly classics, and they thought it would be fun to have a free town movie night devoted to the genre. Um, so this year's theme is nuclear war. Wow. So each film is from the 1950s. Obviously, that was a huge theme theme in the 1950s in general. Mm -hmm. These movies will be on February 4th, February 11th, and February 18th. Um, And the doors will open at 6pm and the movies will start at 6.30. So free science fiction from like the 50s. What did Richard
0: have to say or Nora have to say about their interest in this genre?
4: I think it's just kind of a passion of theirs. I mean, they both grew up um, in the 50s watching these movies. And so It's just kind of their favorite genre to watch. Mm -hmm. And they're really campy. Very campy. The first movie is called Them. It was made in 1954. And this was one of the first science fiction movies to feature like giant evil bugs. (laughs) Um, It follows three investigators who are looking into a series of mysterious deaths. And they find that the incidents are all due to giant ants that have been <laughs> mutated by atomic radiation and they're going around killing people. Wow. Um, this movie is also supposed to be a little bit of horror, mm. but I'd imagine that it won't be that scary. So
0: it's kind of like that uh, scary but funny sort of yes. um, line
4: that yeah. sometimes can and This movie is actually um, pretty well received. On Rotten Tomatoes, it scores a 93%. And yeah.
0: remind us um, where people can find out more about the free sci-fi movie nights.
4: Yeah. So they're going to be showed at the Mark. So yeah. Um, The free tickets are available at the Mark's website.
0: And finally, Allie, we're going to get a little bit meta because we're going to talk about an event that KZMU Mm -hmm. is having. (laughs) Thank you for coming on to help us talk about this.
4: And it's featured in the Modes and News this week, the Radio Play Festival. Yeah. So this year, KZMU's annual radio play will take on the form of a festival. Um, Instead of producing one play with experienced actors and musicians um, and like a pre-written script, um, KZMU will air multiple pre-recorded mini-plays is created by the public so anyone with any experience level can sign up to write record and produce a play we are so excited about
0: this this is um very new for us as listeners know we've had six years of radio plays our last one was choreomania written by jenna wetzel and directed by jenna wetzel um we had wormhole we had uranium we have all these amazing radio plays and we wanted to try something different this year for our 30th anniversary (laughs) The main person in charge of this festival, though, is Sarah Mead, our station manager, who I'm sure
4: you spoke to. So Mm -hmm. I want to get her thoughts on it, too. Definitely. So Sarah said this year they're really leaning into the idea of audio theater and kind of the magic of the imagination, because in past years, the plays have had visual elements Mm -hmm. and live acting. um, But this year we'll have none of that. Mm -hmm. So it's going to rely very heavily on dialogue and very heavily on sound effects, So each play has to include handmade sound effects, foley effects, and it has to include at least one voice. And then I think the challenge, and Sarah mentioned this also, is that um, plays have to adhere to... Federal Communications Commission radio rules, Mm -hmm. which means that you can't have any copyrighted sounds or music. So people will have to create everything themselves. And then also the plays are capped at five to seven minutes, Mm -hmm. which I think of everything in word length. So that's about 1200 words, which is like a page and a half or so of single space typing. So if you try to think of a play script, you know, if you uh-huh. space out a script, that would probably be like three pages. So I think the plays will be... um really interesting and really creative working within all of these parameters
0: yeah we hope that it's accessible to anyone who wants to join too and there will be more information there'll be workshops
4: yeah so participants will have access to a few workshops that will start rolling out in February Um, And so the workshops will cover, like, the basics of radio plays and radio theater, um, and also we'll go into tips on audio editing. Sarah mentioned that she would really love to see people experiment with the form. Um, She mentioned, you know, participants can sign up as an individual. You can also sign up as a team, and there's no maximum team size. So as an individual, you could try to take the monologue to the next level, or if you're just trying to experiment with the form, Maybe there's something that you've written that you'd like to add sound effects to. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are a lot of different things to do outside of just writing like a classical play.
0: Totally. Allison Harford, staff reporter at the Moab Sun News. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. That's it for the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. Find the pieces mentioned today in the show notes at our website, kzmu.org, or wherever you listen to the KZMU News Podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.